Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 285th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, I had a a fun thing happen today. Okay. I was having lunch. Oh, yeah? With some folks from work. Just having a nice time. Yes. Um... I just happen to look out the window, just happen to look out the window of this restaurant, and I see none other than producer Cameron just walking down the walking down the sidewalk, <laughs> just waltzing, just bundled up like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, it's Chill cold. Out. He's yeah. a bundler. It's cold outside, and he was just walking by. Yeah, and so I immediately, of course, get out my phone. I'm like snapping pictures of him. Yes, <laughs> to send it to the group chat, mm-hmm. and all my coworkers were wondering what I was doing. I let them know. Yeah, that it made sense then, but. I mean, what a glorious surprise! Just you know, seeing your own good friend and out in the wild fan producer just walking by. Yeah, out in the wild. Out in the wild. Yeah, yeah. We, you were bundled up. Were you a little bit chilly out there? Yeah, I was walking for lunch. So, hmm. uh, I when it's cold now, not afraid to bundle up. I used to be like, it's not cool to wear a big coat. Okay, don't care. Puffy coat. You look great. Yep. Gloves. Yep. Layered up. Cover everything possible. Coveralls. Cover. That's the next step. Wow. Next step is just wear coveralls everywhere. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What a great thing to make you great. Yeah. Wow. What a surprise that was. Yeah. Pleasant surprise. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to like randomly be downtown sometimes just to just on the chance encounter. I know. I feel like I see Kyle more than anybody else like randomly during the day because yeah. we are close enough and proximate. Out and about. Yeah. I used to see on the work on the way to work a little bit more than I have lately. Snag snag a couple pictures of Kyle in the car. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna change change topics here a little bit. Uh, did you, Kyle, see the all the hubbub about the Wake Forest court storming? Oh yeah. Do couldn't, you couldn't miss it? Do you have a hot take on that? I thought maybe we could, like, producer Cameron hasn't seen any of this, so we could set the stage for him and let him decide, let him be the judge That's on good. what should happen. Mizzou down by one. Mizzou down by one. But yeah, also, by <laughs> the way, we're recording this while Missouri basketball is playing Florida, and it's the second half. We'll uh, maybe watch it at some point if it really is coming down to it. Um, producer Cameron, do you have the... Uh, video that kyle sent you of the court storming yeah so duke star kyle filipowski gets injured in the court storming and now everybody's trying to decide what to do about court stormings i feel like this happens maybe once every every other year or so where well earlier in the uh iowa women's game caitlin clark ran into somebody or got ran into and I can't even remember what ended up happening with that, but uh, nothing. Yeah, they. Were, I mean, they were really storming the court. Wake yeah. Forest. They were sprinting. Yeah. Yes, on the court. Yes, and I feel like when I first saw it, I was like, "Yikes! This might." And my first reaction was like, "This is probably the end of court storming," because one of the like the highest profile players of one of the highest profile teams in college basketball legitimately gets hurt by a student running on the court. That's probably going to be the end of it. But then some more angles came out and it was some stuff was a little bit more questionable. 
and now I'm not really sure how I feel. Yeah, I don't either. Like, definitely, uh, yeah, I don't know. You, you can take it anyway, but it's it's probably, like, it, I can see how it could be dangerous. I can see how yes. people would have that opinion, but I am personally of the mindset that it's probably fine to continue, and I'm not I'm not bothered by it. My question for you, Producer Cameron, is does he or does he not stick his leg out and uh, uh, looks this is the first time that I've looked at either of these angles, the broadcast or in the top down, and it definitely seems like he tries to <laughs> that, when that angle came out is like initiate some contact. Yeah. He's potentially tripping this kid and then it turns into a whole thing. And now he's got to save face by limping off. However, he is playing tonight. Yes. Mm. He's not actually injured. Right. Mm. And, but to his credit, like they are absolutely sprinting and he's got long legs. His leg gets in the way. Mm. But he's like looking at the whoever he comes. He wasn't in. trying to avoid. The I kid. would, I would agree. I agree with that. Uh, but regardless, it feels like. Can we not just get on the same page here uh, all across college basketball and fans slash students, whoever, just wait a second. Give me, give us two yeah. seconds to get the other team out of here. Yes. And then go crazy. I feel like that was like the uniqueness of this court storming. Like I said, they, I mean, they were truly sprinting. Yes. And they got on the court so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's part of it. It's like you're being held back till the buzzer sounds and yeah. then it's go but. i i agree that's probably like uh where we meet in the middle is yeah. like court, court stormings great incredible tradition it's fun it's unique you probably don't get to do it very often if you're storming the court that means something very unique happened yes uh but yeah there's got to be like a little buffer yeah. period where i saw somebody saying that earlier in this season or maybe it's like a regular thing they do but like yukon i know i can't remember who it was somebody was saying there's there is a team that has like procedure for it. Oh, really? Where they like rope off the visiting bench and they're just like ready to go in case something happens. And it doesn't feel that hard to implement something like that. Um, now, there is another solution that Jay Billis threw out and he said, you lock the doors to the arena, trap all the students inside and quote, <laughs> Just say you're all detained and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to. Then court stormings will stop the next day. There's no <laughs> accountability for this. The fans feel like it's an entitlement and the universities like it. And the truth is the media like it. He said, we like it, the media. That's all true, I guess. But what do you think about his idea of just arresting everybody that steps foot on the court in like a everybody get in a single file line and take your citation on the way out yeah i think that's probably the worst idea i've heard so far um i just think that i think trying to, de to detain like anywhere from 10 to twenty thousand people who are very emotional and a lot of which are college students is a really really bad idea that actually increases the the safety risks tenfold <laughs> Because you're, now you're going to have a riot on your hands right. and you're going to have the, every all these little people just scurrying, trying to find any exit they can in the bowels of the stadiums yes. and like actually going, you know, into locker room territory. Yes. And trying to like, climb out windows. Yeah. Yeah. That's a terrible idea. Now, maybe entertaining to see happen, like keep the cameras rolling. Yeah. And maybe I'll go for that. 
Same. But I'd like to see him sitting at the like him calling a game where this happens. Yeah. Well, and keep then in they mind, just he, go into lockdown. He did play at Duke. True. So he's biased. Yeah. Checkmate. Opinion disregarded. Um, yeah, so that's the whole court storming thing. Producer Cameron says he tried to trip the guy, and, you know, that's just karma. I stand by it. <laughs> um, what else are we going to talk about? Um, we're going to talk about spring football. We might talk about this basketball team if they get close in this Florida game. Uh, spring football is starting, and we thought, uh, in addition to talking about spring ball, we're going to go back. Uh, this was a suggestion on YouTube from Barb Douglas 598 uh, in a comment suggested that we go back to 2019 when Coach Drinkwitz was hired and look at the other candidates that were, you know, on hot lists and stuff for um, the coaching vacancy and see what ended up with some of those coaches. Where are they now? Uh, Did Mizzou make the right decision? Exactly. So we're going to do that today. Before we do any of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and you can support us directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, yeah, spring football starting, Kyle. Does that get you excited? It gets me excited. It's uh, turning the turning to a new calendar year, kind of resetting with new players. Uh, we got the new freshmen coming in, well, some of the new freshmen, the the spring enrollees, you mm-hmm. got the, the transfers out there, you know, pl- uh, running plays and yeah. you know getting in there on the highlights and um interacting with the media and stuff so yeah it's a, kind of an exciting time to uh see the see what's next yeah i've got a list of early enrollees here that are a part of spring practices um four offensive linemen um talon chandler caleb pie from ryan justice and javen richardson uh quarterback aiden glover linebacker brian huff defensive backs Cameron Keys and Trajan Greco so good list there I think of early enrollees who are starting spring practice uh what jumps out to me though is quarterback Aiden Glover because uh with you know injuries and stuff now he is going to get some pretty decent reps in spring I would say yeah that's actually a really good point and uh you know it sounds like at least the way Missouri's doing spring ball it's you know heavy on individual development a lot of uh, weightlifting and a lot of, uh, you know, just individual drill stuff, more less, uh, less like schematic stuff, like learning the new scheme and stuff. So that's probably more of like a summer thing. But yeah, to get some of the freshmen and the Juco guys in here and kind of start conditioning and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I feel like Coach Drinkwitz like brought that up in some of his like, his, uh, you know, halftime hype speeches to the to the team and stuff like during the season or during the bowl game and stuff like that, he would, he would say, you know, think back to spring ball, think back to summer workouts where you're up at 6am running, you know, bleachers and all this stuff, like all of those things like are adding up to this moment. Like Mm -hmm. that's why we've been doing all that stuff for literally months um, leading up to this moment. So it kind of, kind of all starts now. And it's gotta be helpful to him now being able to point back to that not like uh well he even said uh he said no pats on the back about last year's performance he said i don't think anybody is sitting around staring at the cotton bowl trophy which credit to all of them because that's exactly what i would be doing honestly yeah (laughs) um but yeah he's it's nice though even though they're not exactly you know patting themselves on the back for last year it's a new year 
they have results to point to and be like, again, we're putting in the work now to accomplish something like this again. Um, on top of the uh, new players, we also have new defensive coordinator Corey Batoon out there um, figuring stuff out on defense. It was it's pretty well known at this point. Um, I can't remember who came out and said it, but they're not trying to introduce a new scheme defensively. Um, actually, Coach Batoon is learning last year's scheme and then just adapting that into his style, adding his unique wrinkles to what was already in place. Uh, I don't know how unique that is, um, but that's basically the same thing that was said going from uh, Steve Wilkes to, what's his name? Blake Baker. Yeah. Yeah. um, It does feel like Missouri made the hire, and I don't know if this was like the goal from the beginning, but Missouri made the hire where they're able to do that a little bit. You know, they didn't make like the huge um, big name splash hire because I think if they do that, there's a pretty good chance that person wants to come in and install their own defense. Um, but, you know, a guy that has really good experience but maybe wasn't like the splash hire, um, I think that maybe affords the ability to kind of guide that process a little bit mm-hmm. more. Say we j- we're coming off this great defense. Uh, let's kind of try to keep that flavor a little bit. And then as we go, you can add some of your own wrinkles in. But yeah, it does sound like we're still going to be running a lot of four-two-five, um, kind of focusing on havoc plays and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I thought Corey Batoon seems you know he seems like a very wise coach. He's mm-hmm. you know it's fifty-five years old. He's been coaching for a long time, but it doesn't you know it still has good energy. He seems very like well-spoken, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he brings. He's got a his face makes me think of like an actor or something. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but. Mm-hmm. Like he looks like he could be playing like the, uh, I don't know, like yeah, the wise, you know, teacher of like a young hotshot somebody detective or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds I, like a good movie. That's what came into my mind. Um, he also specifically talked about the culture, the Mizzou football co- culture that Coach Drink has, you know, uh, brought to the program and how uh, for coach Batoon sort of like getting used to things he said um there's no egos and it's just a tight-knit group and that's all stuff we kind of heard last year and you know we'd see that echoed in player interviews and all that kind of stuff and I don't know it just feels really good for a new coach to come in and feel like things are running smoothly and you can just kind of plug in and get to work Mm -hmm. um Let's see, a couple other notes from early spring practices. Um, they, I saw there was a practice players of the day announced, and uh, Brady Cook uh, and Connor Tollison made that list, as, far as, as well as Jamarion Wayne, who was listed at defensive back, which maybe is like his third position now he's been listed at in his time at Mizzou. Yeah, Jamarion Wayne came in uh, from high school as a wide receiver. He was moved to safety. He was moved back to wide receiver, and now he is now playing cornerback. So uh, just a good athlete, I guess. Uh, just apparently. willing to adapt every yeah. single year. Yeah. Doing something new. I mean, he'll, he should know the offense and defense inside and out at this point. It's going to be a good seven-on-seven seven player to draft. That's someday. a good point. <laughs> I was also thinking about the new college football video game. Maybe opportunity to line him up on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the last guy that got practice player of the day was Darius Smith. And he also earned his jersey number, number 19. So that is actually 
I mean, that may be the best thing I've heard from spring practice so far. It's very early in the process, but that speaks to him being able to come in and contribute right away. Yeah. And uh, hopefully keep things rolling on the defensive line. For sure. And Coach uh, did shout out Caden Green and said that he'll be playing left tackle on the offensive line. And Coach said he enjoys seeing all the talk about Caden Green on Twitter, which we have contributed to. And yeah, We're in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, anything else about spring practice, you think? Spring game, March 18th. Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, seems early. It was early last year, yeah. and it was cold, so they didn't learn their lesson. But right. that's all right. Will they do it indoors this year? I don't know. Um, yeah, so Coach Drink, obviously, coming off a spectacular season, but... You know, there was no there was no guarantee that Eli Drinkwitz was going to be the head coach of Mizzou football going back to 2019 when Missouri moved on from Barry Odom. There was a coaching search. Um, feels like going back in my mind that it dragged on a little bit, and uh, there were some big names that it seemed there were some names out there that were attractive that Mizzou seemingly had no shot at. Um, Took some weird turns. Yes. So, uh, like I said, uh, YouTube user Barb Douglas five nine eight suggested that we go back and take a look at those coaches that could have been Mizzou head coach, and we'll see if we think uh, the university made the right decision. It'd be pretty tough to claim that they didn't at this point. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, a couple names that I wanted to start out with that uh, clearly. I think would have been good hires and have had success where they are at programs that are nationally recognized brands. Uh, first two on my list are Steve Sarkeesian and Mike Norvell, both guys that I think uh, were like at the top of my list, but at the time I thought probably not realistic. Maybe there's a different timeline where Missouri's good and loses a coach who's going to better places where they could land one of these guys. But Steve Sarkeesian was the Alabama offensive coordinator and then became the Texas head coach. And uh, this past year went 12-2 and with a trip to the college football playoff. So he's been successful, would have been great at Mizzou probably, had a little bit of baggage, but uh, again, I think was in the Alabama like coach rehabilitation program. He was destined for something bigger. Exactly. He was waiting out a top tier job, which Texas, you know, as much as uh, he probably had to undergo or undertake a rebuild as much as you would ever expect Texas to do. Yeah. Uh, But they're doing well now. Um, Moving to the SEC. The other one is Mike Norvell, who was at Memphis at the time, took over at Florida State went 10-3 and three two years ago, and most recently, obviously, famously, went undefeated, didn't make the playoff, quarterback got hurt, got beat by 60 to Georgia. Yeah. Um, he had kind of a rough first year at Florida State, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, but, man, yeah, they uh, he really has righted that ship, and, uh, yeah, when you find a good quarterback and it all comes together, but, yeah, uh, I think that would have been a strong hire, probably more realistic than Sarkeesian was, but... Yeah. Um, Still probably destined for something bigger. Does that match how you have it in your mind as far as like the Mizzou job not being that desirable at the time? We were like, felt like as we go through these names, it's like, geez, we were, no matter who we ended up with, we were going to be settling a bit. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be the theme of a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about is like um, someone who was is coming from like kind of a mid-major program and uh, maybe has been has had like an okay career recruiting probably not going to be super exciting mm-hmm. and uh, the fan base is probably not going to be very excited either. It's not going to be a, a, it's not going to be a big name. Yeah. Um, the only other big name, I mean, there's a couple more, but Lane Kiffin, maybe yeah. is the only one that was like, seemed fairly reasonable. Yeah. And that kind of matches up with what actually happened. He was the head coach at FAU and then went to Ole Miss and they just this past season had an 11 and two season. So that kind of tracks with what Drinkwitz did. And, mm-hmm. uh, you could see the, the parallels there. I do think, uh, I mean, that was five years ago, but yeah. I do feel like Lane Kiffin, actually had a little bit more steam Mm -hmm. um and like i remember actually considering this guy might be our coach what do i think about it yeah um but i i think he went to ole miss the same was Mm -hmm. it the same i think so like uh carousel yeah uh time period i believe so but yeah he's he's done really well there it's just so nice to like obviously the reason we're having this conversation maybe we would have anyway if things were going poorly but to be able to go okay yeah these three guys were big names but you know, Norvell in Florida State, maybe they should have, but they haven't made the playoff yet. And Steve Sarkeesian did what you're kind of supposed to as a head coach at Texas yeah, and be at the top of your game. And then now let's see what happens in the SEC. Yeah, But it just feels so good to be at a place where we're like, yes, these coaches could have achieved the same thing Coach Drinkwitz did. Yeah. And that is... You wouldn't trade what, what's happened. No. I don't, I don't think you would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, any other names that jump out to you? Maybe more of the higher profile guys from that time? Um, I feel like that's kind of like its own tier of yeah. like big names, maybe some guys with a little bit of baggage mm-hmm. who had been around the block and other places in other locations, other coaching positions and, uh, had maybe, you know, had to leave because of certain circumstances or whatever. Um, it's kind of crazy that Lane Kiffin is still only 48 years old. Yeah. I mean, he started, he was the a head coach of an NFL team, right? Yeah. Wasn't he the head coach of the Raiders? Yeah, and That's he wild. was the head coach at USC at one point, right? Maybe I offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's had some high-profile Head coach jobs. at Tennessee, yeah. Yeah. was insane. Yeah. Head coach at Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Wow, I've already forgotten about Forever that. Forever ago, he said, uh, famous um, soundbite, he said, he's looking forward to singing Rocky Top all night long after we beat Alabama That's or right. whatever. He said, I can't remember what the team was. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he He must have started coaching when he was like 19. Well, yeah, he must be an impressive (laughs) guy. I don't know, like super sharp with his offensive game planning or something. I don't know. He's got something going for him. Yeah, um, he's settled in at Ole Miss, it seems like. There was, you know, chatter of him leaving Ole Miss this this past offseason, but that didn't materialize. Um. Brian Harson is a name that got thrown around a little bit. He was at Boise State at the time and went on to spend one and a half seasons at Auburn before getting fired and just like s- seeming like from the outside that the program was falling apart around him yeah. at some points. Well, I remember thinking that was never a good fit. Yeah, really. You know, I don't. I don't know Brian Harson personally, but I think you could just tell like going from you know boy a lot of like kind of Pacific Northwest ties. Mm-hmm. Um, He'd been really successful at Boise State, but didn't really build that program either. Kind of inherited a successful program. Um, kind of had been rumored to be a difficult guy to work with, like um, maybe a little arrogant, maybe 
Uh, I mean, probably a lot of these guys are, but yeah. maybe him especially so. And um, so his jump from Boise State all the way to Auburn, uh, I think everybody knew that that maybe wasn't the best cultural fit, but um, I definitely thought he was interesting for Missouri at the time, though. Did defeat Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri Tigers. Thank you, Nathaniel Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. The single amount, but you know, yeah. I'm still hurt. Uh, yeah. Um, so that is one point for him that he did defeat the Missouri Tigers before he got fired. Um, a name that I kind of liked, but it felt like it was never going to happen was Jim McElwain. Do you liked him? I like it. The thing with Jim McElwain. Shark. Yeah. You can't, uh, you can't mention Jim McElwain without thinking about him in the back the of legend, that boat. The legendary, <laughs> legendary photo. Was yeah. it him? Was it not? It doesn't matter. The, I feel like we did a like a off off air investigation into that at one point, and there was like a gentleman who came forward saying, a "Gentleman, saying, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> stretching the word a there." Witness. There was a a guy who said, "No, that was me. That was me oh, with really? the shark." Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, just Google. Uh, Surely, Jim McElwain shark. Yeah, don't do it at work or anything though. There was a guy who like came forward and was like, "No, I I am the shark guy." Okay, but it maybe maybe he just wanted. Attention. I feel like at the time I remember thinking I thought this is fake. This is a cover up. Like the real like Jim McElwain like paid this guy to do this. To well, get if it happened off today, I would have said it's AI generated. Yeah, that's and true. I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, that's one benefit of AI is like if you, there's a like incriminating yeah. photo out to say it's you, fake yeah naked laying next to a shark in the back of a boat you can just say that's ai <laughs> but you liked him though i did uh he's been at central michigan now for five seasons in 2021 they went nine and four that's the best season there so yeah i feel like that would have been like a yeah and i feel like that's kind of still how i feel about it obviously he was previously at florida and then he got fired um I thought I, I did actually go back and listen to our episode where we were talking about some of these guys. And um, I had mentioned the two Clemson co offensive coordinators. Um, and they both have gone on to take head coaching jobs uh, since after leaving Clemson. Uh, Jeff Scott, uh, I actually don't have what school he's at, he is at UCF. He's USF. At, you, he's at I'm sorry. USF. USF, uh, South, South Florida. Florida. And but I do have written down that in his three seasons there, he's gone one and eight, two and ten, and one and eight. Well, I was gonna say he's getting steadily better, but then yeah. you threw a wrench in that. Yeah. Well, so that's not very good. That's not four so wins in three years. Yeah, not the best. Uh, and then the other co-offensive coordinator from the time, Tony Elliott, is now the head coach at Virginia, and he's gone. Maybe Wikipedia is failing me because these numbers don't add up. He's gone three and seven and three and nine in his two seasons at Virginia. At Virginia. Well, maybe these guys just uh, had uh, Trevor Lawrence and they didn't. It was all Trevor Lawrence that was at Clemson. Yeah, yeah, that was carrying them. Yeah, they did have a pretty solid stretch there of uh, incredible yeah, they quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Feel free to jump in with any names that I'm oh, missing. Oh, I've got plenty. Here. Okay. Uh, give me some. How about Jeff Monken? Jeff Monken. Now, that was one of the names that was actually rumored to be on Jim Sterk's shortlist that he was bringing to the Board of Curators. Mm, we got right into the meat and potatoes. There, so he, he's he got to have a good resume. 
What can you tell me about him? Uh, he likes a triple option. That's right. <laughs> He's been at every school, basically, in college football that runs the triple option, like yes. uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia mm-hmm. Southern, mm-hmm. Uh, and then Army. He's yeah. been at Army for 10 years now. Uh but that was the thought at the time was like, okay, yeah, he's a winner, I guess. He's been successful at these stops, but he's literally never gone anywhere where he hasn't had to run the triple option. Yeah. Does that mean Missouri's gonna run the triple option? Yeah. Yeah. If they Just, hired him. I would love to know if Jim's if that had crossed Jim Sterk's mind. Like what what the, was the conversation there? Like, do you go ask him, like, hey, can you do anything else? Can you run another offense? Surely. Surely yeah. they had to, somebody you have to bring him. that up to him, right? Of course. Well, I mean, that's he's been decently good at Army. Yeah. For, I mean, historically, Army is probably not a great football program. They yeah. did beat us in a bowl game. True. In whenever that was, probably yeah, twenty twenty one, something like that. Um. But yeah, it's like, well, how has he still been at Army for ten years? It's because he can't answer that question. Yeah. And nobody <laughs> wants to take a chance on, on anything else. Uh, on him running anything else. Yeah, and like, what do you even do there? He's the head coach, and then you let the offensive coordinator have their own offense that's not the triple option? I don't know how you're going to get yeah. recruits to Mizzou running the triple option. That was never going to work. But uh, I feel like that factored in. The fact that he was one of the three names factored into just like feeling like, uh, this is not what are going you doing? well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, one of the names that I really liked at the time and I still like him and I pulled for him and wished him success on this podcast is Willie Fritz. And he felt to me like he would have been a safe hire. He's got ties to the area, recruiting questionable, but that's pretty much everybody on this list. I feel like that's, but yeah, exactly. That's, uh, there's so many coaches that fit that bill of like, Somewhere down in the south, mm-hmm. they've been pretty good for a while, and they're like hard nosed. They have hard nosed teams and stuff like yep. that, and but they don't recruit that well. Yeah, and yeah, Willie Fritz is like the epitome of that. Yeah, and I agree. It would have been like, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and you know, seeing what has happened with him, it's you it's, may be onto something. Well, it's like again, everything changes with the fact that we are coming off an eleven win season with with drink but uh willie fritz his last two years at tulane went 12 and 2 and 11 and 2 and then was recently hired to take over the head coaching position at houston which yeah. feels like a very and houston now uh entering the big 12 that makes I mean, a lot of it, sense for him yeah so feels like a normal very standard career trajectory for him he's he is a bit older so feels like coming to mizzou at the time or this jump to houston he he wants it to be his last go around, I would say. Yeah, which is probably attractive to uh, an athletic director who's making a hire. And there were rumors at the time that he was going to say yes if Mizzou offered him the job. So that, that there's something to be said for that if you just like know a guy's going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, of everybody we've talked about so far, outside of maybe like Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. That probably would have been one of the better hires. Yeah, one of the better ones of people that would have said yes. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with Realistically, that. Realistically, okay, yeah. yes. Give me somebody you like. Um. Okay. Here's a here's a very polarizing name from mm-hmm. 
from 2019. Like we thought uh, Coach Drinkwitz was like inexperienced and like we're taking a risk on a young guy. How about mm-hmm. Will Healy? Uh, he was the head coach at Charlotte um, in 2019. He was 34 years old. Wow. That's very young. Yeah. And he was just like this, he was seen as this up and comer, like very just high energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Recruiting is going to be there and then just we'll figure it all out after that. Uh, well, he, things kind of went sour for him at Charlotte after this. He, he just um, didn't get hired anywhere in 2019, which I think his name was um, kind of a hot name in a lot of uh, coaching searches around that time. Yeah. He never ended up going anywhere else. He was fired from Charlotte in 2022. Uh, he is now the advisor to the head coach at UCF. Okay. Senior offensive analyst. That's a mouthful. I mean, that is some gibberish. Yeah. That's basically like, yeah, we don't really want to trust you to do anything. <laughs> right? Am I right? I mean, yeah, it's like... Uh, I wouldn't even heard of anything like that. Yeah. I, is that like the guy on the sideline that's like, hey, coach, uh, call a timeout? I feel like, if I had to guess, I feel like he's in the booth a few seats down from the offensive coordinator, and he's like, has a section of the playbook that he's responsible for deciding how effective it is or something. Yeah, probably. There, you know, there's all those guys in the booth yeah, when they show exactly, the offensive coordinator. That's exactly what I was just thinking yeah. about. Like, what are all those guys doing? They must each have a couple guys that they watch. One guy's something. like the snack guy. Like, hey, I'm yes. hungry. Go get a snack. Yes. Are they all talking on their headphones and stuff? No Just one big, like, can't group have all, chat party? <laughs> can't have that much chatter up there. I, I agree. Uh, well, anyways, Will Healy was a name where it was like kind of tantalizing at the mm-hmm. time. It was like, this guy could be the next big thing, or also he might be the next advisor to the head coach, yeah. executive offensive analyst at UCF. Yeah. I feel like any of the young guys, there was that like, just the idea of the potential that they could be something. Yeah. you. I mean, a Missouri in 2019 doesn't have the money or like the prestige to go get a lane kiffin or a mike norvell so yeah that's what you're trying to do is get the next lane kiffin before it happens yeah yeah um yeah we should mention uh the guy that missouri fired barry odom obviously we know he became the defensive coordinator at arkansas and was had some success um and was able to parlay that into the head coaching job at unlv i can't remember what they did last year at unlv i think they were decent yeah and they i'm pretty sure they beat arkansas that actually sounds right or at least it was a close game. I can't remember if they pulled that off. I think they did. Producer Cameron, do you think you could find out if UNLV beat Arkansas in football this past year? Oh, go look. I still think that's like kind of a funny mix is like Barry Odom like coaching a football team in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like just the personality mix is really funny. Uh, well, but maybe he's uh maybe I'm just not understanding who Barry Odom is. I'll tell you who Barry Odom is. Barry Odom is the type of guy who will ride a live bull as a football as part of a football fundraiser do you want to hear more about that i do unlv coach barry odom to lie to ride live bull for football fundraiser uh this is from news3lasvegas.com barry odom is ready to grab the bull by the horn so to speak the rebels head coach will ride a live bull this saturday march 2nd as part of the horns and helmets fundraiser at South Point, uh, Barry Odom said, hashtag hold on tight. I can do anything for eight seconds. Wow. wow. Uh, 
That I mean, that sounds like something I'd like to see. Will it be televised? Surely we will be able to see footage of it for after eight the fact. seconds. Yeah, that's all. That's how long you have to stay on the. It's bowl. like the Kentucky Derby. You know, you watch the pregame stuff all day, and then you watch the race for two minutes. Yeah, that happens. That's what you do. I've done it. Okay. <laughs> uh, what year? Last year, like this most previous football season. Arkansas and who? UNLV. I don't see that. How about the year before? Maybe I'm misremembering. <laughs> they played each other. Did they? Now I'm, I've got a like Stockholm syndrome or something. I now. don't see it. 2022. <laughs> that's, <either. laughs> that's what you have. That explains this situation. <laughs> what is Stockholm syndrome? Stockholm syndrome is like when you. I, I I think it's actually been debunked. If I'm being honest, I don't. I think it's people are starting to think it's not a thing. But uh, it's like when you uh, fall in love with your captor or whatever. Yeah, I don't. I may. I don't think I have that. <laughs> okay. Do you have the game that you're talking about? No, I don't either. I can't find it. Me I don't neither. think it happened. They well. played Vanderbilt. They beat Vanderbilt, or something. Maybe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dang. That'll that'll be it. No. Ah. I didn't play. Missouri they lost to Florida. Missouri lost. Okay. Yeah. By well, nine. anyway, sorry about that. All that. I don't think you're completely wrong here, though. They, they beat, played somebody. You know, they beat somebody. Yeah. Say it in the comments. Uh, you want to say another coach? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> All right, how about Dave Clawson? Okay. Uh, he was the coach at Wake Forest. Yeah. I saw at the time his uh, salary was basically $2.2 million. Wow. Which I thought seemed pretty high for the coach at Wake Forest. Uh but he's still there. He's still at Wake Forest after all this time. Mm -hmm. uh, they also beat Missouri in a bowl game. It's like all these coaches getting their revenge. For yeah. their uh, they beat uh, Missouri in a bowl game in, what was that, 2022? Yeah, uh, Gasparilla. They've been, they've been pretty solid. They UNLV beat Vanderbilt last year. Let's okay. go. Let's go. Somebody. Close enough. That's not as cool as no. beating Arkansas. Right. But I'm sure they would have if yes, they played. for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wake Forest had an 11-3 and season in 2021. And yeah, I feel like uh, yeah, I would have been happy with yeah with that I, hire. But I think I remember thinking like pretty solid hire. Yeah, but I, then the buyout stuff. Uh, I, I feel like with his salary and his, he had just like got a contract extension or Wake something. Wake Forest knew. Yeah, they knew he was Didn't good. Didn't that also happen with their basketball coach? It was a research heavy episode, but I feel like last coaching. Terry Manning. No, <laughs> I'll tell you. He was the coach there, right? Wake Forest, Wake Forest coming full circle. Kyle Filipowski from the intro. Um, the court storming. Uh, Steve Forbes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And his name was linked to Mizzou a little bit, but then Wake Forest extended him and his buyout was kind of crazy. They know when they have something good. Yeah. Demon Deacons. Exactly. Dave Clawson, though. Yeah, I'll put a star by his name. He's a guy that yeah. would have been successful at Mizzou. I agree. Would any of these guys, which of these guys would have landed Luther Burden, though? That's a good question. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's really where Drinkwitz has elevated Mizzou in a way that, like, n probably none of these guys would have done. Yeah. And so, therefore, maybe none of these guys are successful. Yeah, maybe. Okay, how about Chris Creighton? Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> he was the coach at Eastern Michigan 
probably okay. uh, was a little bit more appealing in 2019 than he is now. He's still at Eastern Michigan. Okay. And has a career record there of 52 and 68. So he, I think he must have had a good first couple of years there. Looked like it may be a guy that could make the jump, didn't, and has just kind of stalled out. Hmm, yeah. I obviously didn't consider him very seriously because I don't remember anything about him. Chris Creighton, he was there, though. Was he there when, was it Eastern Michigan that Missouri and Drew Locke put up a million points? That against? was Eastern Michigan. I don't know if he was there then. 52 He's, and 68. That's, yeah. I mean, that's probably what, six he or seven seasons? started there in 2014. Ten so, years. Wow. Yeah. So he would have been there. That's probably why I disregarded him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want to bring that. that. Happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Cameron, here's a guy that um, had been about, uh, been around the block a lot. Uh, I kind of feel like at the time, I remember thinking he was kind of like smoking mirrors, uh, maybe could get something going, but I wasn't really sold. Okay. That's Sonny Dykes. Oh, okay. Uh, he was the head coach at SMU mm-hmm. in 2019. And had had some success there. Yeah, he then took the job at TCU. Right. They went to the national championship game. Yeah, and lost by infinity. True. To Georgia. Yeah. But that's still very impressive. Yes. To get to the national championship game uh, at TCU. So he'll be going into his third year at TCU this coming season. I think so. And yeah. they were not very good this past year. No. I don't know if they did kind of like a sell your soul situation. Probably. Uh, we're not doing that here. I hope not. Because we haven't made the national championship game yet. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. TCU, I remember the the big game early this past season, TCU versus Colorado. Yeah. And it was a huge deal that Colorado got that win, but didn't. Yeah. It was more of an indictment on TCU. Yeah. But consider me someone who would have accepted him as the head coach of Mizzou. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I could have lived with that for sure. Uh, I actually only have one more name on my list so I, that I want to save for last. Okay. Uh, we talked about Billy, Billy Napier oh, in yeah. 2019. He was the head coach at Louisiana. Uh, just finished his second season at Florida. Right. Again, lunch pail guy, yes. like hard-nosed teams, can't recruit. Good X's that's a, and O's. That's exactly yeah. what's happened to Florida. Yeah. And he looks like he'll probably be going into his third season on the hot seat. Yeah, and I've been a kind of a Billy Napier guy. I've kind of liked I've felt like he will be successful at Florida, but he's still I, good. I am. I, I it be, takes time. Be okay with being proven wrong on that. All right, a guy that I feel like we knew was probably a pipe dream at the time, um, but we're still absolutely would have said yes to is Luke Fickle. Mm. He was the head coach at Cincinnati. Yeah, they made the college football playoff. Sheesh! One of those years, I think, when he was there. Yeah, with the quarterback. Um, that's in the NFL the now. That's bad at Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly Desmond Ritter. Ritter. Desmond Ritter. Yeah. They also had Sauce Gardner. Ooh, yeah. Jerome Ford. Some of those guys. Uh, they got smoked by Alabama in the first round, but that's what everybody does. Right. Um, still incredibly impressive to go undefeated and then make the playoff at Cincinnati. He's now at Wisconsin. Do you know how they're doing? I think they're all right. Hmm. Yeah. It kind of felt like uh, at the time he was waiting out like his dream job basically he yeah, was yeah he didn't be able to pick his spot more yep. or less yep and i think he did that um to some extent uh we just talked about willie fritz mm-hmm. um it'd be interesting to see willie fritz at uh houston see how they do yeah yeah he he's, makes a lot of sense there 
Got a couple more names here. Okay. Uh, a couple, and I feel like these names probably were less talked about then, but uh, Skip Holtz mm. was head coach at Louisiana Tech. I'm pretty sure, am I? I'm pretty sure he was one of the three. Oh. The Jim, one of the Jim Sterk three. Well, okay, then I take back what I said. Yeah. I think we were hot and heavy with him. Yeah, again, um, this was. Okay. Yeah. It was just the name you were saving for last. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I would be willing to bet a lot of money. You did not know where Skip Holtz was coaching. Not before today. Uh, because he is coaching in the USFL. Of course. Uh, the Birmingham Stallions is is who he is Incredible. coaching right now. Wow. Uh, so you said there is a relation to Lou Holtz. Yeah. Um, he actually had a decent track record in 2019, uh, had been several places and had been decently successful mm-hmm. at each of those stops. Uh, but just doesn't was not somebody that really um, blew you away at all. No, uh, and he would have been coming over from Louisiana Tech, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, was I don't think he would have been there whenever uh, Missouri played them a couple years ago. No, he and uh, according to Wikipedia, he was fired after the twenty twenty one season when they went three and nine, and then they hired. Sonny. Sonny Cumbie. Sonny Cumbie. Wow. Uh, okay, how about Troy Calhoun? Air Force. What, what do you know about him? Okay, that's correct. Yeah, he's been there for a while. He's yeah. still there. Okay. Uh, kind of, one of, again, one of those like service academy things. Mm-hmm. Like once you get that job, you just have it. You just have it for a yeah. while. Have just it until you don't want it. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Last guy on my list is Bill Clark. Bill Clark. Coach at UAB. Yes. He originally, he eventually resigned from back problems he resigned from back problems like he he had back he problems and then he resigned from them he, yeah he he i think eventually he did yes but he resigned because he had back i problems. see i see and then he then he then went on to resign from the back problems well that's good for him yeah bill clark so i'd be willing to say uh eli Drinkwitz greater than pretty much all those guys what about the guy who was the closest of anybody else to being the Mizzou football head coach if it wasn't Eli Drinkwitz. And that is Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson was one of the Jim Sterk three and the leader by all accounts, by the accounts of all the rumors. He was the guy that Jim Sterk brought to the board and wanted to extend an offer to. He was the head coach at Arkansas State at the time. And most recently is the head coach at Utah State. First year at Utah State, they went 11 and 3. Most uh, last two years back to back 6 and 7 seasons. Yeah, I feel like uh, my feelings on Blake Anderson are basically exactly what they were in 2019. Like I'm not sure I would have been like furious if they hired him, but it definitely was not who I was hoping for. Right. And like we probably would have been fine. We yeah. probably would have just continued on the path that we were on with Barry Odom. Yeah, just you know fighting for mediocrity. Uh, probably a, a he's a decent coach. Seems like a good guy, but was not like anything that was going to push us over the edge. Yeah, it's uh, it's honestly kind of crazy how many of these guys, if they had been the head coach, we would have been so reliant on 
who they hire as offensive and defensive coordinator. It's how it feels. And maybe we got a little bit of that with Drinkwitz just because he only had one year of head coaching experience at the time. It was very much like, well, let's see who who he gets as coordinator. You're probably going to want coordinators who have some head coaching experience and that sort of thing. Well, then we went through, what, two, three seasons of Coach Drinkwitz trying to do it all himself? Yes. Like, we're, I mean, this was only, this was the first season that of him having another offensive coordinator? Yeah, not calling the plays, yeah. And just immediately were great? Yes. And <laughs> yeah. obviously, I mean, that had to do with the, <laughs> right. the talent that we have also, yeah. but, I mean, we struggled for a while because, yeah, he was trying to be the OC, and yeah. so I wonder, you know, what, would it, what, what that would have looked like with somebody else. Yeah, uh, listening back to our coaching search podcast uh, from back then, one name that actually I didn't have his name, uh, but I was called. He was the LSU LSU coming off uh, national championship. He was the LSU passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, who actually didn't know it at the time, but he went on to be the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers when they hired uh, the guy that's at Nebraska now, that was at Baylor. I can't I'll think of it. He was the Panthers head coach, and now I can't think of him. Matt Rule. Matt Rule. Mm. Thank you. Matt Ja Rule. Yes, Matt Ja Rule and Joe Brady were in Carolina. And I threw out Joe Brady as offensive coordinator. This Just go with me here. You would have nailed it. Um, I wanted recently retired due to health stuff, Mark Richt, who was at Georgia mm-hmm. and Miami but then stepped away because of health stuff. Um, I wanted him to be head coach. I wanted him to bring in former Texas head coach Charlie Strong as defensive coordinator and Joe Brady as offensive coordinator. Wow. Now, that would have been quite the operation. Yes. Now... I mean, Joe Brady's gone on to like do impressive things like in the NFL. Yeah. He, he uh, the, is with the Bills now. Panthers offense was bad, That's but true. that was not... N- not really his fault. Yeah. I believe he's the OC for the Bills now. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, Mark Richt, though, uh, not funny at all, unfortunately, diagnosed with Parkinson's. Oh. So he's nowhere near coaching. I did not know that. Recently. So, yeah. But that was my idea of like a creative uh, conglomerate of former, you know, like head coach. I thought that that sort of combination could work. I wanted to see a little bit more creativity out of the search firm. Yeah. Because it just yeah, feels it was, like over and over again, it's just like, I don't know, we, we got to find the next up-and-comer. Yeah. And it just feels like such a roll of the dice. Yeah. It was truly amazing that, like, Jim Sterk and whoever, you know, the search committee was, came to the board of director, or board of curators yeah. with Blake Anderson and yeah. these jokesters. And yeah. they were just like, no. Right. We'll, yeah. we'll do it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this last week. We were talking about uh, board of curators and athletic director stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of those times where the board stepped in and maybe, you know, took things into their own hands in a way took that... Took the bull by the, by the horns. Yes, Barry Odom would appreciate that uh, if he had been around still. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, well, they did that then. And we would all agree that that was the correct thing to do. Yeah. So, and explains maybe why... Those entities are pretty tight still. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we just come full circle the last week. Wow. 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 (laughs) Can't say anything more then. We just got to end it there. Um, But Eli Drinkwitz greater than how many, like, 
90%, 95% of these names? Yeah, especially, I mean, if you narrow it down to people who would have actually said yes to the job, potentially, I mean, I'm not sure there's very many names on this list that would have gone 500 yeah. three years in a row, let alone pull off an 11-win season. Basically, you're saying you would not trade what's happened for any of these coaches, realistically. I, and I agree. And then you're just like, like, okay, well, we we give up what actually happened, but Lane Kiffin has been the coach this whole time. Do we even get it? Well, we've yeah. got an 11 win season. You maybe profit there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like, it would would only be like Sarkeesian, Kiffin, and Mike Norvell that I would even yeah. entertain that with. What are you hoping for with Lane Kiffin? You you want uh, a jump start in recruiting and maybe have a 10 win season? Well, yeah. that's exactly what happened. Yeah, exactly. In real life. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Drink wits all day. Drink up. Drink up. Um, I actually just thought of something that I wanted to talk about, about spring practice. Okay. If that's okay. Fire away. I just want everybody to picture this for a second. Close your eyes, if you will. Okay. All spring long, we have out there on the practice field, a healthy Brady Cook practicing the plays and the routes with Luther Burden, Theo Weiss, Mookie Cooper, Marquise Johnson, all the wide receivers are back. Brady Cook is healthy. You can just see it. They're running that fade to Theo Weiss. He's turning around, going up, getting the ball out of the air over and over again. They could both do it blindfolded now. Brady Cook is launching deep ball after deep ball into the outstretched arms of Luther Burden and Marquise Johnson. Mookie Cooper's running, running routes over the middle. That's happening all spring long. This offense is is poised for big things. Can I open my eyes yet? Coming soon, yes. Open your eyes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, hopefully if you were driving, you didn't close your eyes or anything. That was awesome, though. That was great. You, you really put me in the... Like, you I could felt like it. I was right there in the practice yeah. facility. Also because I saw some of those very things on Twitter earlier today. That helped. Yeah. I saw some some clips of Brady Cook throwing dimes mm. with their burden. Just think about the continuity. I mean, the separation, though. Like, even in practice, yeah. it was like, he was just running like a slant, and he was like 10 yards away from the defender. Yeah. He's good. Man. He's really good. The con- Honestly, though, the connection that Cook and Theo Weiss already had on some of those sideline timing throws and yeah. in, in end zone throws. They're going to do it again. Ooh. Everybody on the same page. Just got to hope that running back room is serviceable. I think Marcus, Marcus Carroll. Yeah. He's going to be ready. Be ready for the workload. Offensive load. line is going to be great. Mm. I just, yeah, spring mm. practice is going to be so fun. Yeah. Every little nugget that we learn about the team is going to get me more hype. We're already just, we're building. We're setting, yes. we're building the foundation. Yes. Already. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's it, I guess, for this week. That's it. I wouldn't trade anybody. Wouldn't trade it. For Coach Drink. Hashtag thankful. Yep. Grab the bull by the horns. Uh, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy, JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffler, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Louis Hernandez, Joshua Jacobson. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We love you very much. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. 
You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week.